You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. And today we've got something special for you guys. Uh, One of our, well, I'll let DJ do the introduction, but um, yeah, what do we got today, DJ? Why? Why don't you just finish? Let's 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 throw the throw a curveball at you. Okay, go ahead. I, you finish this so, time. So <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, disclaimer. I, so this is one of our best friends we're having. So I didn't actually prepare an intro like I normally do because um, we have no respect. Yeah. Them. So <laughs> so uh, that's why my intro was kind of shaky. I just was planning to throw it to DJ, but now he's having me do all the heavy lifting. So. As um, but, usual. Yeah, but um, we're joined by Andy Anderson today. He is a financial advisor with um, Creekmer. Creekmer. Did uh, we pronounce that right? Creekmer Wealth Advisors. You did. Absolutely. Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. So he's an advisor with Creekmer Wealth Advisors. And um, today he's going to be talking to us a little bit about taxes and preparing for tax time and, and all that good stuff. So um andy do you just want to take a few minutes kind of introduce yourself talk a little bit more about what you do all that good stuff uh hold on hold on before you start andy i want to give mike props because that was unplanned and uh, he didn't break down in tears and when he had to do the intro he did really well thanks man if i had done that with if i had done that with a legitimate guest and not andy then (laughs) that would have been a whole different story yeah there was a lot of support coming through the computer from this (laughs) Yeah, it was actually more nerve wracking for me because it was Andy and he's like one of my best friends and I don't like even know where he works or what his title is or anything. So uh, uh, just a little, a little bit more background. Part of the title, right? And then you forgot the rest of the name. So, but that's good. Yeah. Um, just a little more background. Andy was one of Mike and my, I never wanted to say that. Mike and my, Mike and me's, Mike and I's roommate. I don't think there Mike's, is a right way. Me's, me's and Mike's roommate. I think that's um, right. I think that's right. <laughs> me's and Mike's roommate in college. Uh, <laughs> we went to Indiana Wesleyan together. And um, yeah, I mean, best bros for life. Um, but yeah, we finally uh, uh, got him to come on and, and do some edumacating um, on tax planning. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. Andy's actually my personal financial advisor. Um, I don't know why I trust him with all my money, um, but I do. He's just, uh, no, he's, he's awesome. He's super smart. Um, super awesome beard. If for those of you who are watching this live, uh, I envy it. And it's the reason why I tried to start growing up mine unsuccessfully. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So anyways, Andy, uh, kick us off. Who are you? What do you do? Where do you work? Where can people find you? Yeah, so financial advisor. Um, I'm based in Morton, Illinois. Work for a company called Creekmer Wealth Advisors. Essentially, we are basically your full service comprehensive financial planning firm. We do financial planning as well as investment management. 
So a lot of the folks we work with come to us to help manage their accounts or provide advice on goals they're working towards, what they can do to reach those goals, what steps they need to take. So really we meet people where they are and discuss, you know, what are you working towards? And then we lay out a plan of attack, action items for what they can do to get from where they are to where they want to be. So um, that's really what we focus on is, is the whole complete picture of a, of a client's financial plan. It's awesome. Uh, Mr. Creekmer, give this man a raise because he just <laughs> nailed that explanation. You're about uh, to have a lot of business coming your way after this <laughs> podcast recording. Oh, so. uh, <laughs> all all uh, three of our followers are going to be, you know, all over this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Well, cool. Uh, guys, if you're listening, it's going to be hard to get anything done with Andy and Mike uh, on the same <laughs> podcast and me. So we'll try our best to stay uh, professional and educational. Um, but we're going to have a lot of fun too, I'm sure. So, well, I told you I got to head out after what, 30 minutes, did I say? 40 yeah, minutes? 30. Well, I guess we got like three minutes left. So let's get like yeah. one question in real quick and then we'll right, pop we can off. Jam it in, in the three minutes. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. All right. So um, we're going to be talking about tax planning, right? So, uh, what is that? <laughs> question <Yeah>. number one. <laughs> I, I think that's a very important question because in my conversation with DJ today, I learned that he didn't know what we were going to be talking about. <laughs> so yeah, Mike, DJ and I have private conversations, so we don't have to wow. deal with your end, but wow. yeah, <laughs> essentially tax planning. What the, So there's a difference between tax pre- preparation and tax planning. Um, tax preparation is really looking backward and saying, you know, what happened over the past year and recording that to file your taxes. Tax planning, what we do is more forward looking and we're looking, you know, years down the road to say, what are some strategies we can employ today and in the future to reduce not only our taxes in the current year, but our lifetime taxes over the course of our lives. So it's a, it's a big picture uh, discussion looking at different strategies to not only increase after-tax wealth, but decrease taxes over time. And so like with that, is that something that like somebody, you know, just starting a job, like just out of college, is that something that like they need to be worrying about yet? Like if their income's maybe towards the lower end or they're not maybe like super established with a career path or anything like that, is that something that, is wise to, you know, start planning for and delving into like right away, or is it something that you can kind of wait a little bit on? Yeah. So I guess to answer that, you you don't have to be a millionaire to do tax planning. Um, You don't have to have a huge income to do tax planning. You can really get started in tax planning at any point in your career. Um, You know, you may not have some of the same decisions to make as somebody that's 50, 60 years old, that may have a, a high net worth and their portfolio is a little bit bigger, but you still have decisions that you can make in the current time to set yourself up for success, um, both now and in the future. So there's always something you can be doing for tax planning. Um, and we'll talk about some of the easy uh, strategies there, but it's never too early is, is the answer to that. You can get started at any point in your career, as long as you've got an income, as long as you're saving dollars for retirement or for other goals, you can definitely utilize tax planning. Okay. So anybody can start it. Um, how do you recommend starting? Like what's like first step, first thing we need to be doing, looking at, thinking about? 
So first step, I would say you want to look at what your goals are. And that, so we tell anytime I meet with a client, that's a big discussion is what are your goals? Because without knowing the goals, we don't know what's the best solution for those goals, right? Obviously. So we need to first determine what's the goal that we're trying to achieve. Because, you know, if we're, if we're planning for retirement and we have dollars where we want to set aside for retirement, there may be one strategy or one tool that can reduce lifetime taxes or increase after-tax net worth. Whereas if we're planning for, you know, saving for college or for a vacation through Europe at some point, well, there's going to be different tools or different strategies that we can use. So that's, and a lot of times in financial planning, that's, that's the first step is you want to determine what's the goal, what are we working towards? And then we can start to, to talk about how do we actually accomplish that goal in the most tax efficient way. So once you've kind of like established your goals and everything like that, I guess, what would be like one of the best vehicles to start like looking at or putting money into or anything like that? Like, I mean, I, I, I have like my 401k, I've got like a Roth IRA, like those are kind of the typical things that I envision using. Um, and I guess like, what are just some of the starting blocks or things you'd look at first? Yeah, as far as the the best vehicle to use, I don't know. And I guess it depends on the person. For you, Mike, it's probably an Aston Martin, I would say. Yeah, I would love that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. might be more of a Land Ro- Range Rover, maybe. I don't know. Dude, yeah. do you know what my favorite cars are? Yeah, Aston Martin. Dude, yeah, we, you're we so talk- sweet. I Gosh. Know, Unfortunately, I don't know what DJ's is, so I just yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I guess I see where I fall in the pecking order of this. Yeah, this is why Andy's my favorite what's friend. What's that? What's your car? Have you shared it? Yeah, I shared it. What you just it? didn't read it when I, we texted about it. Uh, also an Aston Martin. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so in terms it, of financial vehicles, is that what you <laughs> That's what I meant. Yes, thank you. I was not asking your professional opinion on what car I should drive, ideally. <laughs> so, yeah, so... So let's talk about retirement. Really the big ones for retirement would be either an individual account that you have on your own, or there's a lot of different employer-sponsored plans that also have tax advantages to them. The main difference between all the plans is going to be how they're taxed. So some of them are taxed as you go along, some of them are taxed on the front end, and some of them are taxed on the back end. So that's the starting block is to say, do I wanna pay taxes now or do I wanna pay taxes later? really the discussion for that, you know, what we want to do is we want to kind of project forward and, and plan for the future and say, it, it really, it all comes down to tax rates. So if you're, whatever tax bracket you're in, in the current year, if that's lower than what you expect to be later on when you actually need the dollars, well, you'd rather pay taxes now than later because you're in a lower rate right now. So that's some of the discussion that happens to say, what's your income right now? What bracket do you fall in? And then we kind of project forward, look at potential growth of account values, different income streams in the future. And then based on how that all plays out from a tax standpoint, then we can make the decision. Do we want to go pre-tax now or do we want to go after tax? Um, And those those different solutions there. So uh, we talk about a few different accounts all the time. So you may have heard of a traditional IRA Roth IRA. Have you heard of those? Do we, do we want to go into how those work, what those do? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I know what they are. Just briefly for our listeners. Yeah, um, probably just a quick overview of the difference. Yeah, so both, so an IRA in general is an individual account that you hold on your own. Um, is that individual from- retirement account? I never... Yeah, I think technically it's individual retirement arrangement, I think is in the tax code, but it's everybody calls it an individual retirement account. I've literally and, never thought about that, what that stood for until just yeah. now. Yeah, so it, it, wow. it's, a, it's individual retirement account that, that works. So, um, so the two main ones there are traditional IRA and Roth IRA. The traditional IRA, that's one where when you put your dollars into that traditional IRA, you get to deduct those dollars on your current year taxes. So you're essentially putting them in before they've been taxed. They grow tax deferred throughout the course of time. And then when you ultimately withdraw those dollars from the account, that's when they're going to be taxed. So whatever your tax rate is, when you withdraw them, that's what you're going to pay on those dollars. The Roth IRA works exactly the opposite. With the Roth, you put dollars in today after taxes have already been paid on those dollars you invest them and then they grow over time and any growth in that account, when you withdraw it later on down the road, that growth is never taxed. It's all tax free. Hold on. So simple is a simple IRA, the same thing as just a traditional IRA. So traditional IRA and Roth IRA, those are the two that are your own individual account. Uh A simple IRA is also a type of IRA but that's done through an employer. That's a type of employer plan. It's kind of like a 401k. Yep, exactly right. It's, it's a plan for smaller employers. So a simple IRA is for an employer that has less than 100 employees. The, the reason being it's, it's much cheaper to operate, it's much cheaper to maintain, but you still get the same benefits of being able to contribute uh, tax deferred dollars. So that brings up a good, a good segue. So the employer plan, so we've got the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. You can, you can contribute to those no matter who your employer is, no matter what you do. As long as you have earned income, you can contribute to those IRAs. If you also have a plan through your employer, there are many different types of employer plans that offer tax advantages. So everybody may have heard of a different type of plan. It depends on what your employer offers. There's traditional, four, there's 401ks, 403bs. Uh, simple IRAs, step IRA. So there's a lot of different types of plans that an employer can offer, but really nuts and bolts of it is they all in some form or another offer some type of tax advantage. So a quick question while we're on the topic of like work plans, um, I guess like, so I've got, so for me personally, I have a Roth 401k through work but it's set up as like a, just like a target date fund. Like, and it, I feel like that's kind of the default for most employers. They just set you with like a target date fund. Are those like the most effective ways or the effective plans or allocations for like a work plan? I don't, I guess I don't really know if I'm asking it right, but if you have a, an account, a retirement account through work, and you have it just set up as like a standard, you know, target date fund. Mm-hmm. Is that like the best thing you should be doing or are there other options you should look at? Yeah. So that's tough because the benefit of an employer plan is you can defer, you can defer dollars in there and you can really set aside a lot of dollars. 
The downside of the employer plans is a lot of times they're limited in the investment options they offer. So a lot of times you're going to have a list of investments you can choose from and you're limited to whatever that employer offers within their plan. So a lot of times they'll have, uh, you know, multiple target date funds that line up with your expected retirement date. You can pick one of those. What that does is it allows you to get broad diversification and a slowly decreasing risk over time without having to actively manage the account. So if you're somebody that wants to set it and forget it and just say, I'm, I'm just going to work on saving my dollars. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to set those dollars aside. Well, going into a target date fund is a, is an okay way to get full diversification without having to manage it. Um, there could potentially be some higher performing funds that are offered within a plan that you may be able to get better performance from. Um, but that, you know, that's hit or miss also. One fund may overperform for a period of time and then switch quickly to underperforming. So um, if you're more into the active management of your account, it's possible to potentially get a little bit higher rate of return by using some of the other funds in there if you're willing to kind of track the performance and make changes as needed. So it's it completely depends on what you're looking for and how involved you want to be with the decisions. Okay. So, all right. When you, um, a lot of our listeners are starting to learn how to invest and how to trade and, and how to do that kind of stuff. Somebody that just puts their stuff into a, a 401k and like the target date fund or whatever, set it, forget it. That's managed by somebody, right? I mean, it's not just autopilot forever. It's managed by probably whoever runs that employer's account, correct? So it's, it's managed by whoever the fund manager is. So there might be like a Fidelity 2040 target retirement fund Got it. or a Vanguard 2055 target retirement fund. So in those cases, Fidelity would have managers managing that fund or Vanguard would have a manager managing that fund. So, so even, even, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, whoever the fund provider is, that's going to be who's managing that. Got it. So even though, or even um, if you wanted to manage your own 401k, for example, you'd be very limited on what you could choose because that's just how 401ks are. So what the benefit of going to put more of your funds in a, into a, an IRA is that you have more options. Is that correct? Yeah, in general, that's absolutely right. Um, some employer plans offer what's called a self-directed brokerage account. And with that, what it allows you to do is it essentially opens up the, the universe of, of investments you can choose from. So if your plan offers a self-directed brokerage account, you may, may be able to invest in shares of Amazon or Caterpillar or whatever you want to invest in that were not available through the, the normal plan um, investment options. But for the most part, that's becoming more popular now, but still, uh, I think most plans are limited in what they would offer. So in general, yeah, you, you can have potentially higher quality investments, more investments to choose from if you go into an individual account like an IRA uh, as opposed to a 401k. Okay. So <clears throat> switching gears for a second to the IRA side, um, you've mentioned the Roth and the traditional um, and the, uh, is it, sorry, we're doing hand signals to one another. Cause that's just how we, how we operate. And Andy's getting me all off kilter here. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. No. Um, okay. So Roth versus traditional IRA. And you mentioned that Roth is tax deferred. So, uh, or no, 
Roth is Roth is tax free. Tax free because you pay the tax before money goes in there. Yep. Traditional is tax deferred. So, and one of the benefits of you know doing a Roth is that if you're in a higher tax bracket when you go to retire, you've already paid those taxes, so you don't have to pay the higher tax bracket. Now, my question with that is that even if you're not in a higher tax bracket, does like inflation and stuff like affect that? Would you kind of almost always pay more 40 years from now, 30 years from now, 20, you know what I mean? Even if you're like in the same bracket you're in now, does inflation have anything to do with that at all? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in a way inflation could, um, if inflation starts to increase the number of dollars you need to, to maintain your lifestyle and that, requires you to withdraw more from the IRA and tax brackets stay the same dollar amount, which they generally change over time. Um, but I guess in that scenario, it's, it's possible that inflation could push you into a higher, um, higher tax bracket as far as withdrawing dollars. But generally, <clears throat> it's going to come down to tax bracket now versus tax bracket later. So don't overcomplicate it, basically. Yeah. Well, okay. it, well, there is a lot that goes into it. Um, there's a lot of planning that goes into it because, you know, you'll have to look at your various sources of income in retirement. So, for instance, uh, Social Security. For, for one person, Social Security could be completely tax-free in retirement, whereas for another person, they might be paying taxes on up to 85% of their Social Security benefits. So we have to factor all that in when we look forward and say, what do we expect that tax bracket when we're ultimately deciding, do we want to do a pre-tax account or a Roth account? So with Social Security, um, and I, I may be totally off, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing like there are ways you can like, def like defer your Social Security and then take it later. And it's like a higher amount for the lifetime you take it or things like you can take some of your spouse's social security and like divvy it up. And like, what are some strategies around that, that you know, people might not know about? <laughs> Savage. I'm just to take all of Jenna's social security. It's mine now. That's my social security. Yeah. I, I like that. That's a good attitude, DJ. <laughs> she takes all of my money anyways. So for Starbucks, mostly. So. Yeah, I'm not saying any of this. Jenna, this is not <laughs> Uh, she's I, yeah. guys, I feel like Andy and I are just sitting here like awkwardly silently <laughs> while DJ is ranting about yeah, his just wife. Ahead, just keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all she's yeah. Sorry, Jenna. Um, let's move on. <laughs> he's down in the basement, so he's safe for now. Once he goes for now. Out, trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, so the plans around or uh, strategies around taking social security, like, can you defer it? Can you take some of your spouses, stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So you can. So, um, so the earliest age you can, you can claim social security benefits is age 62. Full retirement age is the age at which you get what is quote unquote, your full benefit. Full retirement age is different depending on what year you were born in. So it could be anywhere from 66 up to 67 at this point. And then you can also, even once you reach full retirement age, you can choose to continue to delay taking your benefits all the way until age 70. So if you take it at 62, you'll get your lowest benefit. If you wait all the way until age 70, you'll get your highest possible benefit. So that all does go into the planning because, you know, let's say you're looking to retire at age 65. And we have a choice. Do we take benefits starting at 62? Well, 
there's a problem with that if we start, but there could be a problem with that if we start benefits at 62, because there's an actually an earnings limit on your social security benefit. So if you make too much, you could have to, to forfeit a portion of your, of your benefit. Um, but on the other side, you know, let's say you want to retire at 55 and all you have are pre-tax dollars in your portfolio. Well, you're going to be withdrawing potentially from those, from those pre-tax dollars, potentially paying a penalty on them, but definitely paying taxes on them. And then the discussion becomes, if we start Social Security at 62, would that reduce what we have to take out of the portfolio, um, which would at that point start to reduce taxes potentially as well? Or do we delay Social Security, try to get more dollars potentially out of the pre-tax bucket and then have higher income from Social Security down the road? So absolutely does play into it. And Social Security is, is a super confusing system. Um, there are so many rules and, and options within the social security system that um, it's hard to keep track of, but absolutely that, that definitely plays into all of the tax planning, all the retirement planning we do. So <clears throat> one of the uh, discussions that you and I have had, and I, I pay you to be my financial advisor, so I feel like I can ask you this question, <laughs> <laughs> um, is cause you don't always love that I get like a big tax refund at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like I could be saving and or paying less throughout the year and saving it, reinvesting it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about like that mindset maybe? Yeah. So, you know, there's pros and cons to getting a big, a big tax refund. Um, if you think about it, a tax refund means you gave the government more than what you needed to they're giving you back what you overpaid them. So if you get a tax refund in April, let's say you get a $3,000 tax refund in April. That means that over the course of the previous year, you paid an extra $3,000 to the government. So my question is generally, you know, could you do something better with that $3,000 over the course of the year than allow the government to use it interest-free for that period of time? Um, and you know, the question may be yes, or, you know, for some people, they may say, you know what, if I had had that $3,000, I would have spent it on something stupid. So I rather force myself to save those dollars and get them back. And then I can just set them aside when I'm, you know, when tax time rolls around. Yeah, DJ is trying to hide all his money from Jenna <laughs> buying Starbucks, apparently. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just letting the government protect me from my wife's Starbucks habit. The government uh, is DJ's offshore Swiss bank account. Oh, that's um, no, that's, that's kind of always been my thought process until I started learning how to invest and how to, you know, make my money work better for me. So it's a little bit, you know, I, I'm rethinking my strategy a little bit, but it is kind of nice to not think about it. And then all of a sudden just get like a, a lump sum, you know, come tax refund, refund season. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're, you're doing your own investing now. You've got a nice little, little rate of return going on in your account. Um, you know, what could you have if you had an extra $3,000 to invest throughout the year? You know, where'd you, where would you be with that? So, and again, it's, it's personal preference. It's not the end of the world. If you get a, if, if you get a big tax refund, um, there can be benefits to that, but it's just a matter of, you know, what, what do you want to do with it? Um, we talked a little bit about like Roth and traditional IRAs and 401ks and stuff like that. Um, but what are some just other strategies that like we could utilize to, either like reduce our taxes or, you know, increase like our future after tax income, I guess, like what are some strategies we can utilize outside of those vehicles? Yeah. So actually I'm going to talk about one that, that includes those vehicles. 
So <clears throat> we have, <laughs> let me just reject you there, Mike. So <laughs> we, we have. I love this. It's so <laughs> nice having you on here to beat up on Mike with me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mike. So we have a traditional IRA that's pre-tax and we have a Roth IRA that's after or that's tax-free. Um, you know, some folks out there listening may be like, you know, I've been saving in this pre-tax account my whole life. You know, is it too late for me to get into a better position from a tax standpoint? You know, maybe they're looking at the future and they're saying, when I'm withdrawing these dollars, we may have higher tax rates in the future. We may, um, you know, have tax, tax law changes that are going to change what the rates are going forward. Well, it's really not too late um, because we have a, a, a strategy that's called a Roth conversion. What a Roth conversion is, is you're essentially taking dollars that are sitting in the pre-tax bucket, whatever account you have that's pre-tax, and you're doing a conversion to get those dollars into the tax-free bucket. When you do that, let's say we have a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. And let's say I have $10,000 in my traditional IRA and I want to get those dollars into my Roth IRA. You can execute a conversion on that. And what happens is if I convert that full $10,000, I'm going to pay taxes on those dollars now in this year, but I'm able to get them into the Roth account that is then able to grow tax-free going forward. So again, it comes to that same discussion of, you know, what's my tax rate this year? Maybe you have less income this year. Uh, maybe you were out of work for a little while because of COVID and your taxable income is going to be less this year. Well, that could be a great time to execute a Roth conversion because you're able to get dollars out of the pre-tax account and get them into the Roth account so that they can start to grow tax-free from that point forward. Um, a lot of times this works really well for people that are nearing retirement. You know, maybe they've built up a sizable balance in their pre-tax portfolio. Uh, so we're looking to try to reduce the, the amount that's in that pre-tax account because I don't think we talked about this, but another factor that plays into what tax bracket you're going to be in the, in the future is required minimum distributions. Have either of you heard of required minimum distributions? Yeah, I have. Nope. Is that a yup or a nope, DJ? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Idiot. I don't like, I have literally spent, 30 years trying to avoid understanding taxes. <laughs> that will serve you really well. <laughs> yeah. At all costs, I have like literally dodged tax discussion. Um, much not, to my dismay now. Like, not literally. You've paid your taxes. You've just dodged learning about taxes. Dodge tax discussions, not there dodging you. taxes. There yeah. you go. The IRS, if you're listening, I pay my taxes. Leave me alone. Yeah, you can you continue to hold DJ's money so that he doesn't have to leave it during the year. Next week when we're recording our podcast, the IRS is just going to like storm your house and just <laughs> drag you out live recording. Uh, that would make for really good downloads, I bet. Yeah, just... probably. It, until you were gone yeah. and I didn't know what to do and the rest was just silent. <laughs> Mike, well, you, you and I could do a uh, stock single guys podcast. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun for me, honestly. <laughs> whoa, whoa, chill. Y'all are trying to like stage a coup. Like, <laughs> chill, all right? Stock dads is where it's at. Anyway, sorry. No, so, I don't know what those ter those words you meant or yeah, said are. So the words I, I said was required minimum distribution. Um, it's A lot of times you might hear it as an RMD. 
But what that is, is with any pre-tax retirement account, um, the IRS requires that you start taking withdrawals from those accounts at some point in your life, whether you want to or not. Right now, that point in your life is once you hit age 72. So once you hit age 72, whether you need dollars from that account or not, the IRS requires that you start pulling money out of that. So depending on the size of your pre-tax portfolio, if you're 72 and you've got money coming to you from Social Security, maybe from a pension, um, maybe from an annuity that you've got set up that's thrown off income. Well, once you hit 72, if you've got a sizable pre-tax portfolio, you may have to start taking out $60,000, $100,000, $150,000 a year from that pre-tax portfolio that's now going to go and increase your tax bracket as well. So if we're building up only pre-tax dollars, that could also force you into a higher tax bracket later on, even if you don't plan on actually needing that much money. So by doing the Roth conversion, <clears throat> even if, you know, whether we're young or older near retirement, what that Roth conversion can do is it can start to reduce the size of that pre-tax portfolio, which would then have the effect of reducing or even eliminating RMDs in the future, which could then keep you hopefully in a lower tax bracket once you're retired and starting to draw income from there. So that's a, that's a big strategy that we use a lot with our clients is that Roth conversion. So on this Roth conversion, um, you had mentioned like if people had a down year, like it'd be a good time. So the, when those dollars were put into the traditional IRA does not matter as far as that conversion goes. It's when you convert them where you are at that exact time, moment in time. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So, so you like could... if you put them in like, uh, you know, a year ago when you were at, at like your peak and then all of a sudden, you know, the following year you're, you know, I don't know, like without a job for six months. Yep. That's when you would take advantage of, or when would be a good time to consider to take advantage of that? Cause it's not going to matter that you've made bank the year before. Yeah. Exactly right. Because the entire time you've been contributing, you've been you potentially deducting those contributions on your taxes. So you've not paid taxes on them. So even though you contributed in a year that you earned, that you had higher earnings, it's, it's the year that you do the conversion, that you execute the conversion. That's the tax year that you're going to actually include those dollars in your income. So yeah, you could have been making whatever you wanted to the year before, and you've got dollars in your pre-tax account, if for some reason you have a lower income this year, that would be a good year to potentially look at doing a Roth conversion because your income is lower and that Roth conversion will be going on top of less income. So, sorry, uh, one more question on this. So like if I know that like, well, not know, but if I like anticipated, like for example, that I would make more money this year because, you know, I'm doing stock dads, I'm doing my full-time job, I'm doing like all that kind of stuff, right? Everything. And let's say in the theoretical world, if anybody that I work with is listening, this is just theoretical. Uh, but next year I'm, you know, think about leaving my full-time job and doing stock dads full-time. Whereas then I would think about like, I would maybe lose that money, you know, mm -hmm. from my full-time job. Would it be like a strategy to um, like, go into a traditional this year and then convert it next year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, let's, let's just say, you know, you're probably making what 500,000 for your full-time job. So 
Yeah, um, I wish. <laughs> so, so you're going to be in the in one of the top tax brackets. So, in, so instead of paying 35 percent potentially this year, you can uh, by doing a Roth by doing a Roth contribution. Uh, if you instead do a traditional contribution, you can deduct that on your taxes. So you're essentially saving 35 percent on those dollars. Then once you lose that five hundred thousand dollars of income next year and you've only got the stock dads, well, now maybe you're in the 12% bracket. So you execute the Roth conversion then, and those dollars now go into your income for that year. So you, you saved 35% the year before, and now you're paying 12% when you actually convert them. So that's absolutely, you should be a tax planner, DJ. That's absolutely a strategy. Man, I am so good at this. <laughs> Dude, we, we can start a, a stock dads uh, tax planning service. Yeah. No, you, thank you. With you doing you it. What's a good use all those years you've dodged paying taxes? <laughs> I pay my taxes, man. <laughs> um, so just a quick question off of that. What if you just like COVID hit and you lost your job? Like, is there a default tax bracket you go into? Like, how does that work if you don't have like a income? Yeah. So if you're saying if you made like $0 and in, in yeah. <laughs> or just yeah. like unemployment or yeah. Just, you know. So unemployment has its own tax consequences that I won't go into, but let's just say you have $0 that you made in, in 2020. So you didn't work or maybe you went to college or whatever it is and you have $0 that you make as far as taxable income. Well, essentially the Roth conversion would just start at the bottom and start to grow your income by whatever the amount was. So the way taxes work in the United States is it's a progressive tax system. So the first X number of dollars of your income is taxed at the lowest rate. Then once you get above that first threshold, the next dollars are taxed at the next rate and so on and so forth. So if you only convert, if you don't convert enough to get to that first threshold, well, you're going to be paying the lowest rate on those dollars, which right now is 10%. Gotcha. So this is my last question, but me and a, a lot of people, I would imagine, I know DJ, we just started investing, you know, actively this past trading. year. Yeah, yeah trading. trading. Sorry, yeah, trading. Cool. Um, so like, what will that look like for our taxes? Yeah, so there's different treatment for taxes and in investment accounts. So um, for instance, let's say you've got your Roth IRA set up and you're trading in your Roth IRA, you're buying and selling, and you have you know, $5,000 of gains for the year. Well, because it's in that tax-advantaged account, you're not going to have to owe any, any taxes on that, on that growth because you ultimately paid it before it went in there. So if you're using a tax-advantaged account like a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, um, there's not going to be any tax advantage to, or tax consequence to trading in there. Um, you can buy and sell as much as you want. And there's not going to be a tax hit. If you're using a non-qualified account, like an individual brokerage account or something like that, well, then you're going to have to deal with the taxes on those trades. So um, the way they're taxed depends on how long you've held the position. So what's a stock you hold, Mike? Uh, Tesla. Tesla. So let's say you bought Tesla on January 1st of 2021. And then, you know, over the last 20 days, let's say you've earned 10% on that. So, and then you sell it. So you sell it after holding it for 20 days. Because you've held it for less than one year, 
you, you just realize what are called short-term capital gains on that. Short-term capital gains are taxed at whatever your ordinary tax rate is. So whatever you're paying on your regular income, that's what you'll pay on those short-term gains that you have in your account. Uh, on the flip side, if you have short-term losses, you can deduct a certain amount of those against your, your ordinary income for the year as well. Now, let's say you bought Tesla on January 1st, and then you hold it for a full year, and then you end up selling it in February of next year. So now you've, hold it for, you've held it for longer than a year. Well, at that point, once you've held it for longer than a year, your gains and losses are taxed at, at long-term capital gains rates. So long-term rates work a little bit different. They could be taxed anywhere from zero to 20%. And that actually depends on where your taxable income and, where, and how many uh, long-term gains you're actually realizing. So I, I forget the exact numbers. I think it's like zero to zero to 40,000. I'm not even going to say numbers, but th there's a first threshold to where those gains are taxed at 0%. There's a next threshold where they're taxed at 15%. And there's another threshold where they're taxed at 20%. So it just depends on what your taxable income is and how many gains you're actually realizing. Um, with short-term capital gains, so like that example with Tesla, I bought it January 1st, sold it you know, yesterday, held it mm -hmm. for 20 days. Is that in addition to like income tax or is yeah, it separate? It okay. Yeah. So let's say you're making 490,000 and suck it, Mike. Dang it, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike, you're making 520,000. Mike's making 520,000. <sighs> so you're going to yeah. pay your ordinary income taxes as far as income tax on that. So um, you'll calculate that. And then what happens is, let's say you made a hundred bucks on Tesla. Well, that hundred bucks gets added on top of that 520,000. So whatever it's called your marginal tax bracket, whatever your marginal tax bracket is, you know, whatever all in, that's what you're going to pay on those short-term gains. So basically what you're saying is I should be less good at trading or else I'm going to pay more taxes. <laughs> I'm you know, just kidding. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a good thing to have to pay more taxes than have to pay less taxes. The only thing is you just don't want to pay more than you have to. So <laughs> right. I'd always rather have a ton of gains and have to pay a ton of taxes than have a ton of losses and have to you know get money back. But you just yeah. want you're not paying more than you have to. Can, uh, can you explain a wash sale? Yeah. So a wash sale is if you sell, let's say Mike held Tesla and he sold it for less than he invested in it. So he's got a, a loss on that position. If he goes back and- It'd be hard and to do with Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> the moon. Yeah. Tesla doesn't go down. <laughs> so if, if Mike's, whatever it is, te Tesla's not going down. So we'll use, what's another stock you got, Mike? Oh, anything Every else. Other stock anything he owns. else in there. Every other stock he owns goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Um, Let's. Uh, you mentioned Caterpillar earlier. Let's use Caterpillar. Yeah, I was trying to think of some of this, the pennies you guys were playing back in the day. Um, <laughs> back so in the we'll good old that. days before I learned the error of my ways. Yeah. Yeah. So so Mike buys Caterpillar. He sells it for a loss. If he buys Caterpillar again within the next 30 days, then that that uh, puts. Did into you just say puberty? Loss. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. Thank you. I'm getting there. Okay. So, I'll edit it out, Andy. You're doing great. Don't worry. <laughs> so Mike buys that back at a, no. Yeah. Mike buys that back. 
within 30 days, that's a wash sale. So what happens is that loss that he otherwise would get to deduct on his taxes is kind of delayed until you sell it for real. So if you buy or if you sell something and then buy something that's the same within 30 days, then you're not going to be able to to claim those losses. So just don't, you know, lose, I guess, is yeah. the moral of this whole podcast. Yeah. And we can, you know, <laughs> if you have strategies on how you could just not lose, I'll listen in on that podcast. <laughs> right, right. If only it were that easy. Um, all right. Well, no, this has been super helpful. Um, I mean, is there anything else that we need to know about, like anything else that with trading, investing or planning for the future that we didn't really touch on that you wanted to get to? Yeah. So we didn't touch on, you know, another big one, another big goal for folks is college planning. So when it comes to college planning, there are other tools for that as well. Um, There's things like prepaid tuition or um, covered L savings accounts or um, 529 college savings accounts. So there's a lot of tools for college planning as well that have their own tax advantages to it. Um, I don't know. Do we have time to get into it now or do you want to save that for another episode? No, let's, let's dive into one of those. So let's dive into, let's not do the 529 because we already had an episode on that one, but let's uh, the do the L savings or whatever. Thing yeah, covered L, educational yeah. savings account. Yeah, let's hear about that one. I don't know anything well, it, about that one. If you already heard about the 529, then the covered L is, is very similar. Um, the main difference between the two is that previously the 529 was not able to be used for like, you know, primary school or high school or things like that. Um, and that was the benefit of using a Coverdell is that they were able to be used for primary and secondary schools. So you could use it for your private school tuition for high school and you'd be able to, to, to claim that uh, as an expense. Um, now the, the laws have been changed for the 529 plan so that you can also use those for those types of education. So there's not a whole lot of difference between the two. And actually the downside of the Coverdell is that there's a, there's a contribution limit. I haven't looked recently. It was $2,000 per year. I don't know if that's changed in the last year or so. Um, But at one point you were limited to $2,000 of contributions in there. So um, at this point they're, they don't really make a lot of sense because you can generally do everything um, with the 529 that you can with the Coverdell. I did have one more question that I just remembered. Um, This, I don't know how to ask this question without it sounding bad, but can we like leverage our kids (laughs) <laughs> like as dads, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like other than getting, uh, you know, extra, you know, deductions or whatever for them and stuff like that. Like, can we leverage our children to reduce our taxes now or to like set them up better in the future? Cause I like, I don't know, like I've heard of some wonky strategies and stuff. So I don't know. Just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as setting them up for success in the future, Uh, I I guess one of the big things would be, you know, once they get a job, you can look to start contributing to a, you know, an IRA for them. Um, You know, the thing is they have to have earned income. So if they're not working, they can't contribute to that type of account. So can I uh, like uh, sign up my four-year-old daughter as an employee of Stock Dads? I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that rule. (laughs) Uh, It probably goes against some sort of child labor laws or something. (laughs) uh, I guess it depends on what you have her doing. I don't know. 
<laughs> like an envelopes or something for you. I don't know. Yeah, that there might... you go. She's probably managing DJ's portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> She's why I all trades. of a sudden started actually <laughs> winning. So no. no, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, nothing comes to mind that nothing legitimate, at least. Nothing legitimate. No. <laughs> I feel like laws. I feel like as someone that doesn't know what they're talking about, you probably can't do that. Seems <laughs> like something you can't do. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, if you just created that strategy, it's probably not the best. Well, hey, <laughs> I created that that tax planning strategy earlier, so that's true. So you're, yeah, you're hitting fit, fi, hitting five hundred. Yeah, I'm doing really well tonight, man. Yeah. I might just rewrite the friggin' tax laws in the U.S. <laughs> uh, sign me up for prez. Anyways, okay, let's uh, before I digress. Um, <laughs> So uh, this has been really good. Mike, do you have any other follow-ups or do you want to hit the dad portion of the show? Nah, let's hit the dad jokes and, and get going. All right, all right. Um, Andy, you were warned. You better have brought a dad joke or else I'm shunning you for six hours after this. Before I do my dad joke, though, I, I want to tell a little story. Um, today, oh gosh. you know Jeff, my brother? Yeah. He, he, asked, he asked me today, can I have a bookmark? And I burst into tears because he's been alive for what, 27 years. And he still doesn't know my name is Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Mark. You're cute. Look, Mark, I get it. It took me a second. I was like, okay. Oh, Jorf. Shout out to Jorf. Shout out to Jorf. Uh, What's brown and sticky? A stick. Oh man! <laughs> Get out of Lame. here with that wheat crap, dude. <laughs> the Kimbe Matumbo right there. Not today. It's funny. What's green and sticky. Green stick. Green stick. <laughs> you didn't know that, Mike. You're going down the same uh, path that I've been going down the last few episodes of like anti jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I still like Mike. All right, I got you. I, oh, the set. Batman one. Yeah. yeah, that's that's that. I think that's going down so that's far. It's gonna as be the, the goat. Yeah, the all-time yeah. goat. <clears throat> All right, I'll salvage uh, Andy's bad joke. Okay. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> so, why can't you stop a legless dog? I'm proud of you for getting through that without. That. <laughs> <laughs> He's cracking up already. <laughs> He's proud of this one. Why? Because he has no pause. <laughs> uh, was, that wasn't as funny as you as you. I, like, I, 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 yeah. The, the uh, before I started telling it, it's just I don't know. Pickled it's just so, Yeah, it's just like such a. I don't know. It's so mean. Like <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, all right you guys ready yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah hopefully andy's greyhound wasn't listening to that yeah (laughs) took offense to that his ears perked up real hard (laughs) my bad (laughs) sorry buddy okay um when a turtle loses its shell is it naked or homeless Wait, Neither. let me get let me guess. Let me guess. Neither. It's, it's dead. dead. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> You're so dumb. Dude, you can't do a dark one every week. That's been the punchline so for like many the past nar- four weeks. 
I know. Every punchline is it's dead. Hilarious. <laughs> no, dude, I was actually gonna give you some feedback though, because here's the thing, and you did good this week, but typically you say beforehand, like, I'm gonna give you a dark joke. And I think it's way better if you don't disclose that, you know? Cause that's one of the things. Yeah, I didn't like um I didn't ask for your opinion though. So like yeah, but I'm just giving you <laughs> feedback to make it better. Because that's why because that's why the Batman that's why the Batman joke was so good. Cause it was like, oh, super like why doesn't he have supervision? <laughs> it's gonna be like some dumb Superman joke. I'm gonna have to fake laugh. And then it was like just hella dark. It was like, <laughs> caught me off guard. <laughs> that was me. That was you. Yeah. All right. Okay, let me give you another one. This one's I'm not gonna tell you if it's dark or not. Because that's that's the, the feedback that okay. I've received. Yeah, know? I feel like it's going to be dark, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Which side of a chicken has the most feathers? Which side? The outside. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, bud. Good job. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I tried. Um, all right. Well, anyways, this could go down a really long rabbit hole if we don't stop it. So um, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for joining us and not telling any of our super embarrassing stories. We can yeah, save those for the live yeah. Q&A session after this, maybe. Right um, <laughs> but uh, real quick, just tell the people again where they can find you um, and, uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, so um, you can visit our website, creekmerwealth.com. Um, can I also get, throw in a quick plug here? Uh, no. I'm going to throw it in. So, okay. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest questions we get from clients is, you know, a lot of times their biggest asset is their 401k. Um, so they're like, hey, can you help us manage our 401k? And for the longest time, the answer has been, unfortunately, no, there's not really a way for us to do that. Um, recently, just this month, we partnered with a platform that allows us to go into clients 401ks and, um, and I was thrown off by your, your message. There, Mike. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so yeah, so now we have the ability to go in. If you have an online login for your 401k account, we have the ability to actually go in there and actively manage for the clients. Um, so we have a website set up for that where you can get more information and, and look to enroll in that if you're interested. It's called easy401.com. So that's got all the information. Is that E-Z or Uh, E-A-S-Y? Yeah, it's spelled out. So E-A-S-Y401.com. We've got what? Show notes? Isn't isn't that a thing? Yeah, I'll put them in the show notes. You guys are so official, so we'll put them in the show notes. But yeah, so it allows us to actively manage 401k for folks. So Mike, back to your question, you know, should I I be in in a target retirement fund? Well, if you don't want to manage it, but you want to try to get a little higher rate of return, that could be an option as far as getting professional active management on that. And that does not have to be a self-directed brokerage account? It does not. So even even 401ks that are limited in what investment options they offer, as long as it's got an online login, uh, we can go in there and actually look at all the available funds. We can look at performance. We can look at what you have to choose from. And then we can actually make the allocations between those different funds. I dig it. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. Yep. All right, man. Yeah, we'll get the links to all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here and do our live Q&A session with the Discord uh, members. Um, but uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening. We uh, 
just hit 15,000 downloads this past week. So that was super exciting. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of love and support and it, you know, keeps driving us to try and find you guys good guests. Uh, unlike Andy, um, you know, to, <laughs> to you. bring, bring you guys knowledge and such. Um, we got a lot of, what's that? I feel real good about that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's uh, you should expect nothing less. Um, but uh, no, we got a lot of really cool uh, episodes coming up, a lot of, you know, cool guests coming. So keep tuning in. Um, thank you guys, as always. If you're not part of the Stock Dads Facebook group, make sure you jump in uh, to that. And uh, we also have the Discord, which uh, you can get, um, you know, live alerts, education. We have Stock Dads Academy, all sorts of fun stuff. And then uh, we're also doing our thing on Instagram now. So follow us there. So um, but yeah, with that said, we're going to roll over to the live Q&A session, but thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. All righty. We out. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.